Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 14. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes, and we're here once again for a much sooner than normal an Eagles preview show coming up against the Giants here on Thursday night football, uh, less than 24 hours after recording this here on Wednesday night. And joining me as he does for every single one of these Eagles preview BGN radio spectaculars is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon Lee Gouton, BLG, what's going on? John, buddy? I am such a fool. It was just a couple weeks ago when I was talking to you ahead of the Titans game, and I was thing hey man i just feel good about where the eagles are right now i feel good they're gonna win this week they're gonna be you know three and one everything's gonna be cool coming back to play the vikings and now they're two and three and i'm not feeling as good yeah no nobody's feeling real good right now about this eagles team and um you know you can follow brandon's work on twitter at brandon gowton and, and brandon's been giving you all the news that's been coming down over the last week or so on bleedinggreennation.com and uh, we're gonna talk a lot about it here over the next uh, 45 minutes or so because you know, it hasn't been a whole lot of fun to be an Eagles fan. And and BLG, I was I remarked on Twitter after the Eagles game on Sunday that, you know, I just went through and, you know, a lot I'm sure a lot of other Philadelphia sports fans went through kind of a long Philly season, yeah. uh, the way things ended up. I was not prepared for the Eagles to also take me through this sweet little hell we've been through the last couple of weeks, you know? I was, <laughs> the way that season ended, I was kind of hoping for a nice cheery little bump from this uh, football team of ours, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. So, um, But you know what? This is a, this is a week, Brandon, this is a, a game that ordinarily I would say this is a get-well game. You know what I mean? Like, this is a game coming up on Thursday night. Yes, it's a divisional opponent in the Giants, but it's an opponent that you can't look at these teams and say the Eagles aren't clearly head and shoulders better than the team they're going to be playing on Thursday night. They're they're head and shoulders better than this Giants team. And before we break this all down position by position and, and you know unit by unit or whatever it is we're going to do here, the fact remains the Eagles are just better than this Giants team. This really should be a get well game on Thursday night for this squad. It's a huge game. Uh, it is a must win. We it's were talking about, game. you know, last week, must win or not. It is absolutely a must win. I mean, the Eagles win this game. And for as disappointing as this season has started and for all the things wrong with this team, they're first in the NFC East. If they win this game on right. Thursday night. On the flip side, uh, very fitting that if they lose this game, they will drop to two and four and then be last in the NFC East. So it is really a big stakes game uh, early, still kind of early ish in the season, only week six here. But they just they have to have this one. They have to like they need this game. They need to prove that this isn't just a lost season. Like I think that's what's at stake here on Thursday night. Prove yeah. that they're not just this bad team, because right now uh, you might just be thinking, what if this Eagles team is just bad? Like, what if they're just not a good team? And I don't think it's. It's it's too. I do think it is too soon to say that right now, just because 
uh, you know, they only have an, a negative one point differential. They're not, I don't think yeah. they're they're not a great team by any means. I'm not trying to make that argument, but I don't think they're you know like there's obviously worse teams. You know, they're not the Cardinals yeah. or the you know like they're not the bottom of the barrel, but they're not good. So they're just kind of in that middle right so far. And a lot of frustration coming with this team is that they've just been so like they just can't get out of their own way. It's such a huge. They've issue. given games away, BLG. That's what it is. They've given games away. The ones that they've lost, they've given away. They've given it away. They can't stop shooting themselves in the foot at the most key moments. I feel like, you know, as you pointed out in Bleeding Green Nation, John, some of that's bad luck. I do believe yeah. that, you know, you have Wendell Smallwood, uh, you know, dropping a pass on third down, you know, also on Jeffrey drops that third down pass, not really a drop kind of forced out. He got hit yeah. really hard. I can't blame him too much, but still, it's just like anytime they need that big play, they can't make it or the Michael Bennett thing on the flip side a truly good team creates that margin for error, right? So mm-hmm. like if you, that, and that's what you have to be. You have to be so good in the NFL that you can't let one bad officiating call kind of d- determine the outcome of the game there. And we saw that last year when the Eagles beat yeah. the Panthers. They were so good that they won that game in, in spite of this historical referee uh, penalty bias against them. So that's just not... I forgot all that's, about that. That's not this team right now. Like they, they need everything to go for them. And it's frustrating to be where they are on the same side. Maybe you, you think that's fixable, right? It's not like they're just getting killed and blown out and they have all these fatal flaws. I mean, they have their mistakes for sure. But I'm, I'm saying if they can get some of these things going right and make those right plays at the right time, I don't think they're that far off. And especially against this Giants team this week. I mean, I just don't think New York is that good, John, as you said. I mean, Eli Manning, he had some good throws last week against the Panthers, but I mean, come on. He also had some terrible throws. And I think on the whole, come on, like, let's be real, guys. That guy is washed. He has not been washed against this Eagles defense, which we'll get into here. But uh, overall, I just... It's it's right here, John. Like they have to win this game. That's what it comes down to. This is a must-win game. Yeah, it's a, you're right. It's a must-win game if they if they want to avoid this being a lost season. Because you're right. So far, this team has really just been shooting themselves in the foot, as you mentioned. That the turnover ratio has has gone completely backwards from last year. The penalties. You want to look at why this offense is struggling. Why they haven't been able to put points on the board. It's the penalties, and some of them are really stupid. Like like the illegal formation penalty late in the <laughs> Line game. Line up on properly. Sunday. What are you doing? Line- There should not be anything easier than being able to line up properly and on the defensive side, not being in the neutral zone when you're lined up. You know what I mean? Like you just use your eyes for those. But those are the kinds of mistakes that have been, you know, just as the Eagles get momentum, just as they start to creep towards the 40 or the 35 or the 30, they get a 10 yard penalty that knocks them back. And then Carson Wentz tries to make a make make a play and 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 takes an intentional grounding. And now all of a sudden you're, you're out of luck. You know, this is just this is what's been happening to this team like I said they've gotten some bad bounces and with the injuries piling up on top of everything now this feels like a team that's just trying to keep its fingers plugged in the holes in the dike and every time they get one filled another one pops open and so you're playing damage control instead of and really, this all started at the very beginning of the season, BLG. It started It started in the preseason when you didn't have all of your guys. You, this team always felt like a work in progress. From training camp, through, through the spring, through, um, you know, through, the, um, uh, through the preseason, through the first two weeks of the season, it just kind of felt like waiting for Godot. You know what I mean? You're, you're waiting for Carson to come back, and then you're waiting for Jeffrey to come back, and you're waiting, 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 and you're not really in the moment. You're not in the now. You're not you don't have all your engines humming and running 
so that when you're on the field ready to go, you're you're moving like a finely tuned machine. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing this Eagles team is kind of a, a, a broken down 2006 Toyota Sienna right now. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's got all it's it's kind of just bumping along right now and and that's the thing is you, you're hoping that against this Giants team on Thursday night you've got it you've got a team that's that's in even worse shape and you look at the mistakes the Eagles have made they do appear fixable you know rec- some of the fumbles that haven't gone their way maybe you know an, uh, Carson Wentz gets hit gets hit again the ball doesn't pop up in the air right to a defensive player who runs it in for a touchdown those are the kinds of plays the Eagles made were on the receiving end last year not were the victims of this year and so you know, the the thinking I'm thinking is, yes, if you can fix those things, if you can make those things better, this team has the talent to go on an eight or a nine game winning streak. But if you lose this game on Thursday night, then this team that only has a negative one point differential could go on a slide, a big downward slide like we saw in Chip Kelly's last season, where that team was competitive for a little while there. And then you just saw the bottom fall out, BLG. Yeah, I. It's just it's frustrating. Like, that's what I keep coming back to. I'm just sitting here. I'm thinking about how frustrating it is because we just. I think we know that this team is capable of being better when that they have right now. Like we we know it, and not just because they won the Super Bowl. Like it's obviously not as simple as that, but we just right. we know they're better than two and three. Like we know, or at least we know they can. They've played like a two and three team. Don't get me wrong, but they're just they're so close. So that's that's what makes it frustrating when you just feel like okay, you know, we know they're capable of more and. They just haven't done it right now. Uh, I think just as you've been saying, this Giants game is a great opportunity to do that. Um, But I think I look at some of the most frustrating parts of this team going on right now. It is it's just there's two. It's it's very simple. And you had already pointed out the turnovers. I think that's obviously a big thing with it. But to me, it comes back to they can't create big plays and they can't defend big plays. Like they, they rank, yeah, they rank bottom huge. of the league in both of those categories. And that's what it comes down to. And I mean, you, we've talked about it in years past. I think uh, Bill Davis used to talk about, you know, the X plays and, and that's what it is. The Eagles cannot generate X plays, these big chunk yardage, and they can't, they can't defend against those. So that's the dilemma. And that's a perfect time to tie this into the Giants game this week because last year when we're talking about this Giants team having success against the Eagles, and oddly so because, you know, the Giants were horrible last year. But for some reason, yeah. Eli Manning had his best games against Jim Schwartz's defenses and they would just march down the field time after time. And ultimately, <laughs> that's, you know, more preferable than them getting those big plays. But – you know, it's just it's it's frustrating to see when you're just the Giants are doing that. They're running the same slant play like 15 times in a row and you just right. can't stop it. Um, now, yeah. the, the, the trade off there, and I think we saw it, is that you, you can't just do that the whole game because you're going to have some bad throws in there. And Eli certainly is. And we saw that Eli did throw a number of interceptions in those Giants games last year. And that ended up you know contributing to the Eagles ultimately winning them, although being a little too close for comfort. So. When I think about the matchups this week, uh, I think about that again, about how uh, hopefully working in the Eagles' favor that the Giants, you know, they, they have the big play threats with Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham there. And speaking of OBJ, oh, my gosh, uh, 
I don't know if you remember this, John, but last year in the first Eagles Giants game, Jalen Mills was targeted 21 times, which, which is like <laughs> just saying that is insane. Like that's not yeah. a normal number for a cornerback to be targeted in a single game. That was historical by uh, pro football focuses counting. So they're certainly going to target him. And that's going to be a big issue. Once again, we'll see how he plays. Uh, you know, it's hard to feel yeah. great given that these big plays he has given up. And we talked about Jalen last week. I don't think you can just blame the entire thing on him. And I think a lot of fans might disagree. And yeah. obviously, Michael Kist made the case for benching him pretty much on Bleeding Green Nation earlier this week. Uh, that's not going to happen on a short week. And Michael even acknowledged that. But so this is almost a, a big game for some of these players here, too. And in terms of like... Things are kind of status quo a little bit with the lineups and everything, but maybe if they lose this game, it's the point where, okay, you're in desperation mode and now you have to shake things up. So this is a big game for the players too to really kind of set the tone and and it just like everything is riding on this game. It keeps coming back to that. Like this season, it feels like this season is riding on this game. Like if you do not win this, I just don't know. Like how do you feel the, the Eagles are going to turn around if they can't beat the Giants, a team that well they are twenty or they've won sixteen out of the last twenty games against the Giants. They're sixteen yeah. and four. It's funny because I've seen some people on BGN be like, "Oh man, the Giants are the worst matchup for us last right now." And I get where that's coming from because of how they struggled against them last year. But at the same time, they've owned this team. Maybe. So uh, let's yeah. hope that continues on Thursday. Yeah, they won both. They won both games last Ultimately, year. They so ended up winning, yeah. but you're right. They, they they were they were a tough opponent, and they they usually are a tough opponent. And you know, it kind of reminds me. We've been talking about 2005. This team could be like the 2005 team. It could also be like the 2003 team because it's kind of funny the parallels to 2003. The Eagles took on the Giants at this exact same spot in the schedule. They were two and three going to going to face a Giants team that was also two and three in the Meadowlands at that time, and they had they were saved on one of the five miracles against the Giants, the Brian Westbrook punt return for a touchdown that ultimately saved their season. They went on a huge long winning streak, ended up winning the NFC East, and made it to the NFC Championship game once again, where they lost to the Panthers. But that was a game that saved their season, and this could be a similar type of springboard. But Again, they're going to have to improve, and they're, they're going to have to get to Eli Manning in this game, BLG, because we've seen, even as erratic as Eli can be, as bad as he can be at times, if he has a clean pocket, and I know that the Giants' offensive line is no good at all, but if the, for some reason they seem to be able to protect Eli pretty well, if that happens again, if, if the Eagles can't get to Eli the Giants can easily win this game, BLG. And that's what scares me the most, is sitting there watching watching Eli have three seconds, four seconds in the pocket to just kind of look around and and find Sterling Shepard, who scares me. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who scares me. Luckily, the Giants don't have don't have Ingram this weekend. Um, kind of surprising that uh, that ain't their their really good tight end is is not going to be is not going to be playing. Um, but uh, they they have some talent. And then Saquon, we haven't even talked about Saquon yet. Who again the, is the Eagles have a really good run defense, but Saquon is a pretty good runner himself. That's my worry. Is just is Eli doing what he did the last you know in the two games last year is just moving right on down the field. So. You know, let's let's break this down just a little bit here as we're as we're looking at this team and you know, as we're breaking as we're looking at this game and you know, we look at the Eagles injury report, Haloti Nada, Darren Sproles, Corey Graham all out for the game on Thursday night. Um and as you look at the Eagles defensive roster to start off here, 
they're really shorthanded in a couple of spots here at BLG. They're really shorthanded at safety, at cornerback, and at linebacker. And, and I'm sorry, at safety, a linebacker, and defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, all three levels, really. Um, you, so you have Holodi not out, and now that means you only have Fletcher Cox, uh, Destiny Vio, who I believe has like one tackle in all the snaps <laughs> he's played this year. Just basically, is he even out there? Who knows? Like, you wouldn't even know. He's not doing anything. Uh, and then Trayvon Hester, who was signed to the practice squad earlier this year and then promoted last week. Uh, they also had T.Y. McGill, who they claimed on waivers, but he failed his physical, apparently, and the Eagles needed to make roster space for Trey Sullivan, who will be filling in as a fourth safety, I, I presume, behind Malcolm Jenkins and Avante Maddox, who isn't even a real safety. Right. And then DeAndre Hall, who the Eagles traded for. Uh, right before week one and hasn't even been able to get on the field at safety. He's only been on special teams, even though the Eagles are down to basically nothing at safety. And then you're missing DJ Alexander and Nate Gary, which hurts on special teams. Those guys are two of your bigger special teams contributors. And it hurts depth wise at linebacker because the only linebacker now behind Jordan Hicks and uh, Nigel Bradham and Kamu Grujay Hill is the Roy Reynolds. So they are really hurting here. And that's just kind of the nature, really, of a Thursday night game. It's just, it's too quick. It's, These it's are just, awful, aren't you know, they? I, These I, are just the I, worst. I hate it. It's, look what happened to the Colts last week. The Colts had so many injuries last week that they had to keep injured players active. You know how you have yeah. your seven players that you deactivate? Well, they had seven guys and more who were hurt. So, so uh, they had guys who were on the active game day roster who couldn't play because they were hurt. So anyway, side note, Thursday Night Football is dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's a tough spot. The Eagles are in here with, you know, they're, they're lacking. They're, they're having these injuries. They're going up against this Giants team that clearly – had their number in terms of at least relative to all the other teams they played last year. Cause you know, you would watch the giants play on any other Sunday and they would look terrible. It's like, well, why can't the Eagles easily beat up on them? Then yeah. <laughs> it just it didn't make any sense. So I get where that concern is coming from. I get where uh, you're looking at needing to get pressure on Eli Manning. And in theory, it feels like the Eagles should be able to win this matchup. Their defensive line is generating the most percentage of pressure in the league for pro football focus. And you look at this giants offensive line, it ranks uh, 24th by PFF and it ranks in the bottom uh, of the league in terms of uh, adjusted sack rate by football outsiders. So like the Eagles should be able to get to Eli or at least pressure him or like if they're not going to be able to get to him, because he's just been getting he's getting rid of the ball so quick, then you have to force him into those short throws and contain those and not have it be like last year in the second Giants game, especially where the Giants would make some of those short throws. And all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard running wide open down the field because the tackling is terrible. Like you can't have that. They need to. And that's that's something that is certainly concerning about with Barkley here. I'm not really worried so much about his ability as a runner as he is a guy catching the ball here and being able to make people miss. The Eagles have to be disciplined in their tackling. Obviously, Barkley and Odell Beckham, those guys are going to get they're, they're going to get theirs. Like, you know, they're really good players for a reason. But the Eagles need to be able to contain that. They need to be able to finish. That was one of the biggest issues against the Vikings. Now, the Eagles got to Kirk Cousins relatively often in the sense that they hit him 12 times. That's great, but they didn't finish on any of those yeah. plays. They sacked him once, and I felt like on that sack, when I was watching that game live, I felt like, I can't remember who it was that came around the end there, but they had a chance to strip sack him, and they just got him down. Like, that can't ha- Like you need to get that ball out. Chris Long had 
Kirk Cousins dead to rights, lined him up in the backfield, and then Kirk faked him out with a good pump fake. Credit to him for doing that, but like that's the plays that can't allow to happen. Like, you need to hit him. You need to get that ball out. You need to sack him and make those big plays. Like the pressure alone isn't enough. Is what I'm trying to say here. Like you can't just get pressure. You can't just get near. Like they have to finish. They have to uh, force him into some of these bad throws and have these interceptions. Here's games and why the Eagles were able to win. Like I said earlier, is because the the advantage of making the other team uh, continue to do these short throws over and over is that eventually something's going to happen. There's going to be a tip ball. There's going to be a bad throw. It's just going to happen, especially with a bad quarterback like Eli Manning. So if they can force him into that and they can make those, you know, give Eli an opportunity to turn over the ball, then it could be an ugly performance defensively. But if they can get those turnovers, which they haven't been able to this year, and you highlighted earlier, as John is one of the biggest issues, then they can live with that. So uh, it's all going to come down to this defensive line, ultimately, you know, being responsible to just taking over this game and giving the Eagles really a chance to win in this one. Yeah, Eagles and a minus four turnover ratio that's third worst in football. Um, you know, and that's that that's the thing is like if you're gonna if you are gonna give up this underneath stuff, and the Eagles defense has done a pretty good job at holding teams to field goals. I think I saw they have the uh, the seventh fewest touchdowns per drive at eighteen point two percent. They've given up. 10 touchdowns and 55 drives this year. So that's, that's okay. But you know, you're also, it feels like the defense has just been on the field a lot this year and I don't have the time of possession numbers in, in front of me. So I might be totally off on that, but you know, it, the tackling has been a big problem. That's been, and that's the thing that really cost them against Tampa um, in, on the O.J. Howard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it cost them a couple of different times. I remember one Stephon Diggs play on, on Sunday where they, they should have dropped him for a three- or four-yard loss, and they allowed him to get, I think, seven or eight yards, get him into a position to, to prolong a drive at, that I think ended up in points. And so, you know, this is, this is all part of the same problem. It's execution. The, the Eagles... Last year, we're so much better at tackling, especially in the secondary, and we just haven't seen that this year. The execution has not been there from this defense, and you're right. The defensive line has to get there. Brandon Graham finally got his first sack of the season uh, against the Vikings, and you know, one of the one of the things that I know uh, Michael Kist has pointed out um, on Twitter and on, on, on the podcast as well is how the Eagles are allowing so much underneath stuff to – to not just get completed. It's one thing like if the if the quarterback is throwing a 5-yard pass or a 6-yard pass and you can stop the receiver right there, you're doing you're you're doing your job, but the problem is that they let these guys catch the ball 5 or 6 yards and then run. You know, and they end up getting 10, 11 yards at a clip here. So you're not forcing the quarterback to have to hold on to the ball for an extra beat like we're seeing the like we're seeing Carson Wentz do. He's he's trying to make plays down the field. So and and yet BLG, the Eagles are among the bottom teams in big plays given up. So it doesn't seem to me that they're able to do either right now, either (laughs) close to the line of scrimmage, and they're also giving up the occasional big play. It's incredibly frustrating. It is. (laughs) I get it. That's that's what it's just like. We keep coming back to the theme with this team. It's just like all this is so frustrating. Like you just and what's what is the solution? Like that's what I was. I kept thinking about after the Eagles lost to the Vikings. It's not as simple. And in a way, you wish it was. You wish it was just like okay, we need to make a change at. They don't have the they don't have the talent to make. That's what I mean. Right like now, it's right? like okay, I mean, Ben yeah. Mills. Okay, fine. Like I don't think that solves anything. Like ultimately, I mean, maybe it helps a little bit, but it's not like that's not your oh your cure all. Everything is better now. Like, <laughs> that's not going right. to work like right. that. It's just not like these this everyone is to blame. 
in this. Like everyone deserves blame in why this team is struggling. You were just talking about the defense being on the field. I think part of that's because they can't get themselves off the field in some spots. I also think it's part of be partly because they're probably tired because the offense can't stay on the field. So so like it goes both ways. I think they're really, you know, when you're talking about complementary football, uh, I think and then even special teams, like special teams isn't doing a good job. I pointed it out last week in the Titans game. You know, you have Cameron Johnston, who is doing great in terms of his deep punts, but he's not doing great in terms of placement. And all of a sudden, instead on a day like where defense is struggling and, you, you know, you could really use uh, special teams to, to to pin them back at the one yard line or the five yard line. They're starting at the 20 each drive. Like yeah. it's a big difference. So it's just like no one's really helping each other out. Uh, it, it's frustrating. The Eagles did make a change last week, and it seemed pointless. Like they, they make a change, and it's a change. It's like okay, no one is really calling for this. I don't really see why Isaac Samala really needs to be in here now yeah. over Steve, Stefan Wisniewski, which I don't even like. I don't even think it was a terrible move because I don't think Samalo played that bad after the initial drive, where you know he he didn't play well at all, and he, he settled in there. And I, w- I wanted to touch on that, John, because I I, th- I wrote about this earlier this week, mm-hmm. and I think kind of in a, just a more interesting theme coming out of that Vikings game, it seemed to be there were some players pointing fingers instead of taking responsibility, mm-hmm. and Stefan Wisniewski kind of included in that, saying that uh, he feels like he was benched for reasons other than his performance, and Doug Peterson on during his press conference this week said he didn't feel that was the case, and that it was player related but from what my theory is is going back to when jason peters didn't really want to play next to evan mathis back in 2015 and everyone blamed chip kelly and rightfully so ultimately chip kelly is involved in there with cutting mathis but jason peters had a big factor in that because he didn't like playing next to evan mathis ultimately so i don't really think it's that crazy to think that wisniewski is the new mathis in this case yeah and what does like? Am I going to rip JP for that? Ultimately, I mean, J- Jason Peters is a great player. Yeah, but and who knows I what just, the real re- like? What the reason is? Is it whether it's just like a does does Jason just not like his style of play, or does right. he not like the personality? He just doesn't like the guy. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Jason Peters would be using a personal beef to make the product on the field weaker. You know what I mean? That doesn't strike me as something that would make sense for him. Yeah, and Trey Thomas had talked about this, I believe, on a WIP show that we did earlier in the year that uh, part of it was because just his his style and that when you, you look back to how Jason Peters got hurt last year, Wisniewski pretty much pushed his guy into the back of Jason Peters' leg. Obviously not on purpose, but just I think Jason Peters feeling that happened because of the, as a result of the style that he plays. So the broader point there is that like you have all these little subplots going on too. Like this, this guy isn't happy with this and Jay Ajayi before he got hurt uh, was complaining that he's not, you know, like they're not running the ball enough. And maybe there's some truth to that. But like the point is like, there's all this stuff going on right now. Like, and that's what, that's what happens with losing, yeah. losing breeds drama like that. When you're winning, those issues aren't happening uh, unless you're Kerry Williams. And I remember when the Eagles were like, what, three, and zero, and he's complaining that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the players are too tired, but different story for another time. Uh, I just think like, you're talking about getting this win and, and trying to make everything feel better. I think that's what it will do. And I think it'll, it'll cause some of those. We won't be hearing those stories so much coming out of the locker room. We'll be hearing, wow, the Eagles really found a way to rally 
after some of these uninspiring performances and these frustrating issues, and they found a way to come together. So I think that's another uh, big reason why this this game is so big and so critical to where this team is at right now. All right, well, let's let's stay on the offensive line then, BLG, because obviously, you know, the defense has gotten its fair share of the blame for this two and three start. But I, I think the lion's share of what's gone wrong with this team is the offense. They're just not scoring enough points. That's the bottom line. You know, they're, they're <laughs> it's it, it's ugly right now. The, actually, the Giants have a better offensive DVOA than the Eagles do right now. The Giants are 16th. The Eagles are 24th in, in DVOA. And you know, again, the first two weeks of the season, they didn't have Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been back here these last three weeks and has looked really good. I think he's looked better passing the ball each and every week, BLG. But, you know, you can still see that the rust is there. Um, he's He hasn't been able to make the kind of plays where he can strap the team on his back like he did last year. And that's asking for a superhuman effort from a guy who didn't have training camp, who didn't, who you know, who really didn't have any kind of a preseason. And so I'm not expecting that from Carson Wentz right now. You would like the other team, you know, the rest of the team to step up, including the offensive line, because you mentioned that Wisniewski got benched for Sam, for Sam Allo. We, we, you know, we hear a lot about Lane Johnson and his so-called struggles. Although I think Benjamin Solak did a great job on bleedinggreennation.com this week, talking about Lane Johnson and how well he's actually playing. If you just, you know, look at it objectively a little bit here, but the offensive line as a whole, does not seem as though they've given Carson quite enough, quite a clean enough pocket in order for him to really do the things that he needs to do. And, and, and kind of in, con- in, in concert with that, Carson needs to have a better internal clock. It seems like his clock is just like a, a half a tick behind, knowing when to get out of there, when to get rid of the football. So how much of what's been going on with the offense is the offensive line? How much of it has to do with Carson Wentz? That's a good question, John. I think looking at some of those time to throw numbers, um, Shil Kapadia, uh, a friend of podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, had a really good post up at the Athletic, and actually it went getting rid of the ball uh, in two point seven seconds this year, which is only point oh four seconds than last year. So basically identical. Uh, the sacks, however, he have taken have occurred pretty much point three seconds, which is significant. Uh, yeah quicker than they were last year. They were, they were taking 3.9 this year and 4.28 last year. So he's just not getting as much time. I think part of the problem is that, and I think this is where Karsten Wentz looks more rusty than anything. It's just when he is coming off uh, uh, trying to make a play and he just can't extend it fully. He gets caught. Usually he'd be able to slip out of that sack or, or you know, he, just get around an extra defender and he just – he seemingly can't do that. And I don't think that's a, a huge concern for the longevity of his career. I think that's just part of where we're seeing him still coming off this injury and not being fully at 100%. It was said right. at the time by uh, Dr. David Chow. He he kind of had been writing about this for a while, that Wentz's mobility wouldn't be 100% right out of the gate. But overall, I mean, I think Carson is playing pretty well. And I think... He's had to deal with the third most drops, I believe, in the league here. Uh, Yep. So, (laughs) I mean, that's a big issue. And and there are drops at key times, too, like we were talking about. Alshon Jeffrey not being able to catch the pass on third and 20. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had that drop and and multiple drops against the Titans. So part of it's just kind of that bad luck really showing up against him. Uh, I think the forced fumbles have not been on him, really. You go back to the Colts game. 
Uh, I think Marcus Hunt just has a really long arms. He's a really big man, and he made a great play to get his hand in there while Carson Wentz is stepping up. And then this week against the Vikings, I mean, what else was he supposed to do differently? He didn't even – it wasn't even like he was holding onto the ball. Like He was about to get rid of it. It was not that long after it snapped, and he just got hit – from behind, yeah. and it was knocked out. So, and as he was about, and as he was winding up, so kind of just unlucky there, ultimately. And I think he has been playing well. I think a lack of weapons is really hurting him right now. I mean, who is really like dominating at receiver? Who's his go-to option? I know Zach Ertz has been super reliable, and that's awesome. But that's that's one guy, you know. Like that's it's, and that's yeah. ultimately a guy the defense can kind of key in on. Uh, Alshon is still making his way well, back. We're going to say there, John. Yeah, I have the number here. The Eagles have the second lowest percentage of receiving yards to wide yeah. receivers this year at 40, 40.1%. They lead the league in, in, in receiving yards by any percentage of receiving yards for tight ends. They're using the tight ends like crazy, but you're right. I mean, they, they have not been able to get the wide receivers involved. I at think all. part of that's, you know, they're missing Alshon for a while there. But I also don't feel like Nelson Aguilar hasn't really looked like the same player as he did last year, no. which is surprising to me because in training camp, he was awesome. I thought he looked even better than he did last year. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, you're not get, he had a in addition to uh, a false start penalty last week, I also believe he had an illegal formation as well. So that's the second week in a row he's hurting you because he had the four drops against the Titans game. So and and just overall his numbers like they are not pretty. When you look at his per uh you know his per catch basis, he's averaging 7 uh what's it here? It is 7. Point three yards per reception like that's almost like a running back number yeah. like that's just not that's it's, not it's only above Darren Sproles and Jay Ajayi so it's just he's not the most efficient in target right now uh it's frustrating I, it all comes back to I don't think this team has enough speed on offense like they like like who is yes. fast <laughs> on this team you're missing Mike Wallace and you're yeah. missing Matt Collins which hurts but even still like who is who is someone here who is just going to outrun someone and the answer to that is Shelton Gibson <laughs> and he right. finally did that with a great uh reception against the Vikings for 48 yards and an awesome throw by Carson Wentz but you see why he can't get on the field in part because later in the game after the Eagles recover that fumble against the Vikings and they start out on the Vikings 30 yard line what does Shelton Gibson immediately do he gets called for uh, illegal formation. So like, it's just, it comes back to the frustrating thing. And, and then Jordan Matthews isn't going to be explosive. Alshon Jeffrey can, has some big playability, but he's not a burner by any means. Uh, I don't think Aguilar is consistently, he's not a guy who's going to be a deep threat. So that's something that's hurting this team right now. And when we're going into some of these rumors here that we're hearing about running backs and about trade targets and about Le'Veon Bell, I think that's kind of where that comes in. You're, you're looking for a guy who is a big play threat, a guy who can kind of be a consistent receiving option in here. It might not just be the vertical threat as much as a guy who can just can help you consistently move the chains. And I think yeah. that's kind of where that's coming. They need something like they need to add Playmaker. ultimately. A playmaker would be great, a big play guy. But if they can get a guy who can consistently help them move the chains, that would also be really nice because they don't have that right now. They don't have this this go-to super reliable option. And it's frustrating for Carson Wentz because I just think you look at his numbers and you're like, why aren't the Eagles winning? He's, he's yeah. posting really good numbers right now. And he's doing it in spite of being pressured as often as he is. He has been sacked 12 times and hit uh, – what, what's it now? Like 26? I can't even remember the amount of times in the past couple games here. He's getting hit a ton, pressured a ton. 
and he's he's dealing with a ton of drops. It feels like 2016 again. We've said that. I feel like that's that's been a, a thing that's being said a, a lot now recently. Even some of the players were saying it after the game. But that's what it feels like with the offense right now. We we've almost somehow taken a time machine back to the days where we were just begging for <laughs> help at wide receiver. Yeah, and and the problem too is, I mean, Zach Ertz is obviously their most his most reliable target. And that might always be the case. I mean, they just have a great connection. Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in football, but you know, they just, they don't have, they don't have the playmakers. They don't have the ability to, to break tackles and, and, and make yards after the catch. It seems like I don't have the yak numbers in front of me either, but I can't imagine those numbers are terribly high this year because they're, they're, it's who would be as, getting it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, <laughs> that's a damn good point. Um, and so, yeah, so you've got to, and you've got some issues now at running back. You know, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell, obviously there's a lot of rumors about other potential, about other potential people before we move on just real quick, just to, just to touch on, on the rumors real quick, LaShawn McCoy, I don't want any part of LaShawn McCoy. What do you think about the possibility of LaShawn making a return to Philadelphia? How much does he help? And does the off-the-field stuff factor into it at all for you? Oh, it absolutely factors in for me. Yeah. Um, and for the, it should for the team as well. I mean, That's we don't know. That's the main thing for me. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, what if well, – just – like, he could get suspended. Like, we don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't know yeah. what the league is going to do with that. So – and, yeah, I, I think from a football – standpoint if we're just talking about on the field if we're talking about madden here having shady back would be fun in that regard and nice yeah. but it's it's just not that simple it's not that simple i think uh, i think part of the eagles interest in him is potentially to maybe kind of be like hey pittsburgh if you don't trade us levy on bell we're just going to go get yeah. lashawn mccoy i think there's leverage i think there is a leverage play in there I also think they are genuinely interested. There was a report last year that the Eagles tried to acquire him, uh, LeSean McCoy, last offseason. So, and, you know, they've kept his number open. I think this this organization clearly has love for LeSean McCoy still. But it's like, what are you really going to give up for him? That's what it comes down to. It's mm -hmm. you're, you're dealing from a position where you look desperate because you just lost Jay Ajayi for the season. And the Bills don't have to be in a rush to trade the Sean McCoy necessarily. Uh, so like, what are you really giving up to get him? A 30-year-old player who isn't really having the best season right now. I actually saw from another good friend of the podcast, Bo Wolf, that LaShawn McCoy is like one of the only players in the league this year who doesn't have a missed tackle forced. Like he is not oh, wow. forced to miss tackle. So I don't know <laughs> even if he still has the same shiftiness. So yeah. I just I'm not crazy about it. I think if you can buy low on him then that's where it would make sense for the organization. But I'm not going to love it personally. I think I think the style of player that he is is definitely what they need and what they're looking for. A guy who we're just talking about here who can make some guys miss and get some yards, not just after the catch, but on the run too. Like, like run the ball and actually make some guys miss instead of just being able to take what's in front of them, which is kind of what they have right now. And I think that's why the, the player in this mold of LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell, and even David Johnson, which was brought up, and it's not going to happen. I mean, that makes yeah, that's a pipe dream. It makes no sense. Like the Cardinals yeah. have no reason to trade him. They just signed him to an extension, and even if it's a lost season for Arizona, I mean, you still want him around to help out Josh Rosen. Like there's value exactly. in that. So yeah. I don't see it happening at all. But I see that like that's the mold of the player they want right now. Someone who can contribute. It's not just about running. Like. To, to, I get where we talk about, you know, you shouldn't put big resources into the running back position 
and I generally agree with that, but it's not just about the running game we're talking about here. We're talking about making the passing game better. And Le'Veon Bell, that's what he did and has done for the Steelers. You look at his splits or Big Ben splits with Le'Veon Bell and without him, they're drastic. I was looking at an old article from 2016 where uh, you could just see where they were just so much better with Le'Veon Bell on the field because it's the little things. It's it's like just having him there to be a check down guy. And all of a sudden he turns a third and long into a first down because it's hard to count for him in there. Like that's the little things like that. I just think are missing from the Eagles offense right now. And to get, to get a weapon like him is would be great. I don't think it's a simple negotiation or a simple deal to happen at all. I'm not certainly not just expecting it to happen, but Jason Lock and Fora yeah. keeps putting it out there. So uh, again, not gonna rule and it again, out. and again, again. I mean, and he's he he's really the one. Locking four is really the one kind of pushing this. But you know, I think if they if the Eagles lose this game on on Thursday night to the Giants and fall to two and four, I, I don't see the point in trading for Bell at that point. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a really interesting point you brought up because I was thinking about this both ways. I was like, on one hand, maybe you drop to two and four, and you're like, okay, let's not give up a future asset because this season could right. be lost anyway. On the on the flip side, maybe they get desperate. Maybe they're like, we're two and four. We need to do something. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I just think it's a, you could be moving into panic mode at that point, and you don't really want to make a decision when you're in panic mode. Yeah. And if, they're, if, they, if they are at three and three, if they do beat the Giants here on Thursday night, there's other options too. And we know Roseman has never really put a ton of cash, a ton of uh, – uh, a ton of resources into the running back position. And you've, I thought he thought Michael kissed when he was on 97, five, the fanatic mentioned an interesting name, Spencer Ware with the chiefs would be an interesting addition. And you've got guys like Atlanta's Tevin Coleman, Miami's Kenyon Drake, you know, uh, some lesser guys like Bilal Powell, Theo Riddick's a good pass receiving running back for Detroit. Who's not really playing all that much. Amir Abdul is another guy who's been mentioned there. There are some other options out there, but you know, again, this is a team that has some, some needs in some different places, especially on the defensive end when you're, where you're really short because of injuries in, in a lot of different areas. And maybe you need some of that trade or cap space uh, to trade capital or cap space in order to, to fill in some of these, these other spots. So, you know, can Corey, can Corey, I guess the main question is, can Corey Clement do well enough as a number one in order for this team to, be productive as an offense you know i mean if the the big thing for me right now blg is the red zone this this team is fine moving the ball between the 20s but converting touchdowns something that they were so good at last year is something they have not been able to replicate this year and i don't is is not having legarrett blunt around a big part of that because we know he's a guy they like to use close to the goal line it seems to me that, you know, they're, they're kind of missing a guy like that who can be a little bit of a hammer down close to the goal line. I don't know if it's that specifically. I don't. I actually think Bunt didn't even have a ton of red zone production. I know he did back, you know, the Patriots the year before yeah, he signed here, but uh, not as much last year. Uh, I think when we're talking about Corey Clement's role here, I think that is real interesting and kind of trying to figure out how he fits in because – I don't think it's as simple as kind of making him the lead back right now. And in, in first in the terms of the Eagles don't really ever truly have a lead back under Doug Peterson. And they, you know, they always right. split the carries pretty much no matter who has been on the team. And with Corey dealing with this quad issue, you know, I'm not assuming he's just 100 percent now. I just don't think they want to put that big workload on him. But I do think, you know, going into this game, the Eagles are dealing with the same three running backs that they had active against the the Colts, which were Corey, 
uh, Wendell Smallwood, who has surprisingly played pretty well. Yeah, been pretty well. Which is weird. As long as he's not pass protecting. As long as he's not pass protecting, <laughs> obviously. And then Josh Adams, who is just your crucial third down, you know, toss the ball to that guy in the backfield. Yeah. Just, oh, your gosh, third and one guy. Oh, so yeah. Much. Um, but but <laughs> given that, th- those guys combined for 142 rushing yards on 32 attempts, which is comes out to a 4.4 clip, which is pretty good when you're considering that's your yeah. third, fourth, and fifth string running backs right there. So maybe they can get by with these guys, at least in the short term. I think you're looking at a similar usage situation in that game where Corey was at 16 carries, Wendell Smallwood's around 10, and then you have Josh Adams for probably no more than five. And then you're probably getting Smallwood a little bit more involved in the passing game and Corey as well. But I think mm-hmm. Smallwood especially has kind of really proven he's been able to be productive there. What else Poets numbers? I, I bet you if you if you haven't seen them, I bet you they're they will surprise you. Uh John, have you seen Wendell Smallwood's numbers? No. They, not recently. He has twenty five carries this year for 150 yards, which is a six point oh wow. average. Yeah, and one touchdown. That is that is surprising. And then as a receiver, yeah. um he is at ten for ninety six and a touchdown, which is pretty good overall you had that score last week against the vikings so Wendell smallwood has been surprisingly solid good which it's still hard to wrap my head around hard to believe and it's still (laughs) hard to to truly appreciate too because of what you just said like the fact that he's so terrible in pass protection kind of negates some of that good production as a skill player and it's ultimately an issue although that's where i think getting Corey back really makes the difference this week having that third down back who can stay in there and you can count on to help protect Carson Wentz and as well as being another option as a pass catcher because that's not something JJ is really good at you know that's something Corey Clement can do I think getting him back does does really help they've certainly they've won when he's been on the field (laughs) as opposed to to when he hasn't so uh, I do look forward to getting Corey back this week and ultimately I guess this game will kind of give us a better gauge of what they might need to do at running back. If it's a week where they're not able to get anything going against this Giants team, maybe they they get even more desperate, but we'll see. Well, there are some options out there, so we'll see what happens here. And we're going to give you our picks on this game coming up here in just a few minutes. But first, before we do that, let's run through our NFC East picks real quick this week, BLG. And obviously, there's only two other NFC East games we're going to talk about because uh, the Giants and Eagles obviously playing each other. Uh, let's start off in the District of Columbia as Washington hosts Carolina. Washington favored by just one point in this one. What are your thoughts on uh, the Panthers going into D.C.? Yeah, Washington coming off a short week where they just got blown out in very embarrassing fashion, pretty much. Uh, Not liking what I saw out of Alex Smith there. Not liking what I saw out of that team in general. I think they're ultimately better than what they showed there. But, man, what if they're just not? What if they're really bad, too? And I, I like the Panthers better here. I know didn't really have their best game ultimately against a, a Giants, a non-impressive Giants team at home. But I think with, again, Washington coming off the short week, and I just think I trust more in this Panthers team right now. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to ring the bell on you there, BLG. I, I like Washington at home here this week. I, I think Alex Smith will bounce back. I think the, uh, I think Washington 
I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm more than Washington at this point. I'm not a fan of Carolina. I, wa- I watched a lot of that Giants game last week, and I don't see a lot there. I mean, Cam Newton is so up and down, and yeah. I think they got lucky to to escape with a victory. You know, on that insane Graham Cano field goal at the buzzer twice in two years, the Giants get beat on a 60 plus yarder at the gun. <laughs> I mean, that just what are you talking? You kidding me? Uh, but uh, I think I think Washington. I think Washington coming home. Uh, getting an easier opponent here in Carolina, I think I, I like them to bounce back here and and win that one. Uh, the other NFC East game is Jacksonville at Dallas. Jacksonville favored by one point on the road. Um, you know, I don't know what to make of this Jacksonville team yet. BLG, they're the defense. I gotta take Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know Dallas's Dallas's offense still just. I, I can't get behind it. I can't. And there's just so much turmoil going in, going on. I mean, it was Alan Hearns who on yeah. Wednesday was was ripping the play calling, ripping the coach, ripping the quarterback. I mean, there's just it, it it's on. It, it is not going well in Dallas. And as much as Jacksonville's offense is up and down, I, I like them to go into Dallas and stifle and strangle the Dallas Cowboys what do you think yeah so I'm not gonna jump out on the Jags I mean I'm not really all in on them but I yeah me either. like they lost last week in a really tough spot and they're going into Kansas City the Chiefs are really good like you can't there's no really big reason to hang your head I know that it was an ugly performance but I think uh they're they're a little bit more capable of showing what they did last week and I think I just you know Dallas isn't good man and Dak is still bad and he's always been bad. And the fact that there was once a time where there was this, this discussion, which I hated, it was like, uh, <laughs> well, why can't both players be good? Or like, why can't we admit just both players are good? Or, or the discussion that Dak being good is actually good for the Eagles because it makes a better rivalry. No, I don't like no. that at all. And shout out to Cody Benjamin, BGN Zone, who had this really good breakdown of uh, the last 15 games of both Dak and Wentz and Carson is like so far ahead of him. He's he's at three thousand nine hundred three yards, thirty six touchdowns, seven interceptions. Meanwhile, Dak is at two thousand eight hundred fifty nine yards, thirteen touchdowns, and thirteen interceptions. So I think we can definitively say that Carson Wentz (laughs) is better than Dak, and I think Dak's struggles will continue against this Jacksonville defense. And therefore, I think the Jaguars will win. And since uh, we only have the two NFC East games, I thought it'd be fun to throw one extra one in. And this, really, it's a it's a very uninspired slate here on uh, yeah. f- during during the day games on Sunday. But the Sunday night football game should be outstanding, uh, where Kansas City is at New England, and the Patriots <sighs> are favored by three and a half at home. I think that's a strange line, BLG. As good as Kansas City is playing, I know New England is some kind of unholy force up in up in New England, apparently. But I don't get this line at all. I I, I love Kansas City in this spot. Oh, I just we haven't seen the classic Andy Reid letdown game yet. We haven't. And you though, know you're it's right. coming. You're like right. it, it's it going to happen at some point. And I love Pat Mahomes, man. I I I love what this Chiefs team is doing. But man. I'm going to go with the evil empire here. I just feel like we're, we're due for that Andy letdown game. We're just due for it. And maybe it's this week where the Patriots just kind of impose their will on a team too. You know, yeah. it's, 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 there's this team that's coming in. It's got all the momentum. It's the upstart and they go into new England and it's like the big brother kind of just kicking the little brother down the stairs saying, Nope, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that could be what we look, what we see here with Mahomes going into new England. I am still going to take the chiefs, but uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Andy Reid is due for one of those games here in 2018. 
All right. Well, let's move on to our final point here on the uh, on the show. We're going to give you our Eagles Giants pick for Thursday night. I am 0 for 5 this year, BLG. <laughs> and you know that before every game, every time we've picked here, I have been perfectly honest in saying I have absolutely no feel for this game. I like to pride myself on being someone who generally has a feel one way or the other. It doesn't always mean I'm right, but I usually generally have a feel for a game going into it. And with this team this year, I have not been able to harness that energy, that power, whatever it is. This is a game... Again, I still don't have a great feeling for. I still don't know what Eagles team we have here. I see the talent. I see all the ability of these guys, BLG. I, I, I saw what they did last year, and a lot of the it's a lot of the same guys. But you see all of the injuries. You see all of the, you know, some of the stuff going on in the locker room now. You see Fletcher Cox yelling at Jalen Mills to get onto the get out back over to the sideline. You see the Wisniewski and Samalo Sam, Sam stuff with potentially with Jason Peters going on and. Locker room, you know, locker room issues are bred by losing. If you're a winning locker room, you have what you had last year. A lot of dancing, a lot of celebrations, a lot of on-field choreography. Haven't seen that at all this year from this team. And I I don't see the Eagles winning this game. Oh, man. Season over. I feel like I feel like this is just one of those games where it's going to be like the others. The Eagles are going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're going to have chances to win. If I were to pick the Eagles to win, it would be more out of hope than anything else. Yeah. I just haven't seen anything from this team really all year. Even the games they've won have been monumental struggles for me to think that they're going to win this game in in New Jersey. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Giants twenty eight, Eagles twenty four. Well, let's hope you're going zero for six, John. Because I hope so. Uh, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm right, and good. I and I think you said it well. I think it is out of hope. I think it's out of hope that. You know, this team, for as frustrating as they've been, they're not hopeless. Like, they're not just... They're not. They're not getting blown out. They don't look like a joke of a team that isn't giving any effort. Like, they're just... They're not a great team. Again, I've said this, but they're not a flat-out terrible team. And I think the Giants are. I think the Giants are worse than this Eagles team. I think Eli Manning is going to do the Eagles a solid and throw a couple picks. And, by the way, what could potentially be, and I don't think enough people are talking about this, this could be Eli Manning's last start against the Eagles, potentially. I mean, if this Giants season gets lost... Maybe they just throw it to Kyle Laletta at some point. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe they're too loyal to Eli. But I'm just saying, it seems possible to me. So I think Eli, as a parting gift here, he's going to throw a couple picks. <laughs> uh, the Eagles are going to capitalize on that. They will get out of here with a win. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to make everyone feel like you know we're going to the Super Bowl again. The Eagles will be first in the NFC East, and that is all that matters for this for right now after Thursday night. And I think they do it. And I think they do it by a score of 33 to 30. It's going to be a shootout. Wow. Love it. Wow. High scoring. Okay. Well, I, I listen, if the Eagles win this game and I go over six, I'm done picking the, I'm done making we calls. Just, you got to keep picking against uh, the Eagles at that point. <laughs> I guess that's what it'll be. Uh, Cause yeah, we're starting to, we're starting to get into, you know, not even, it just doesn't even make realistic coin flips. You know what I mean? Like I, you, you go, you flip the coin six times. You figure you're going to guess right on one of them, but uh, not, not the case for me so far. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope I go over six. 
Love to see the Eagles uh, save their season this Thursday night in New Jersey against the New York Giants. And folks, that'll do it for this episode of BGN Radio. Once again, make sure to check out BleedingGreenNation.com and uh, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And don't forget ratings and reviews, everybody. Please don't forget to leave those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It will help the podcast grow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers.